Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, um, I have um, <laughs> um, I have three things on the brain, I guess. I had two conversations yesterday um, if, uh, in two different spaces at that um, I'm processing this morning. One, I'm processing more than the other. But there's uh, something that my brain, my NI is trying to do. My introverted intuition is trying to do a mesh-up between those two conversations. And I think that's intriguing because they're really two different types of conversations that my brain is merging together. And I'm probably not going to be able to really unpack um, a lot of it, the mesh-up at least, because um, it'll take me into a space that I'm not ready to go to. Um, so that, more than likely, I'm going to fumble in that part of the reflection. And then I need to take some action based on one of the conversations I had yesterday. I need to take some action, but um, I want to make sure that it is INTJ8 action and not 8 INTJ action. There's a difference and I'm talking about two personality systems that I've merged together. And when I'm in my healthy self, I am INTJ8. And when I'm in my unhealthy space or unhealthy self, it is 8INTJ. So those are the three things, the two conversations and my needing to take action and wanting it to be healthy action. Those are the three things that are on the brain. That's my starting point, okay? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so primarily by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are Myers-Briggs, um, based on the work of Carl Jung, um, and the Enneagram, which is really a fascinating system. It's just a fascinating system uh, that I talk about showing your uglies. It really shows, it helps to tap into the social, emotional side of you. That's how I frame it. That's how I package it. And um, and then where Myers-Briggs is looking at the cognitive side of you, uh, your, your, um, yeah, your cognition, the Enneagram takes a look at your social, emotional well-being. Pushing those two systems together, I do identify as an INTJ-8. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a practicing and trained educator of about 30 years, and I've spent half of that time doing leadership. I playfully um, identify as being a critical race feminist. That's because it's important for me, or... Mm-mm, it's, it's the easiest way for me to, to get people to understand that I have an intellectual sensitivity to power in terms of how it shows up around race, class, gender, and sexuality, to name a few. This podcast is unedited and it is unscripted. It is truly a personal journal. Okay? This is all, it's, it is, it is me being raw, especially, um, it's just me being raw in, my thinking and my emotions and I'm processing it and I'm processing it out loud processing it out loud 
just in case it benefits someone else in the world, okay? <laughs> so if you want to know more about me or this project, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. So I just did my introduction, my lead-in, and my disclaimers all in less than five minutes. And this is twice now I've done that. Whoa. <laughs> so anywho, um, I know that wherever I start in the reflection is usually what gives flavor for the entire reflection. So I want to just pause a second and tell you, um, I think I'm going to start with the action and uh, talk through taking action as an INTJ, 8 versus an 8 INTJ, and then um, back into the two conversations I had yesterday. So um, the taking action is really about one of those conversations, and it was a conversation I had with a superior, a quasi-superior, I'm not sure. And really, um, I'm not trying to be like, um, I'm not trying to have false, uh, I don't know the word, but you know how you you can act in your higher self, but it's not really your higher self, but you've learned through the world that this is what the higher self should look like, (laughs) so we mimic that. Um, I truly believe, I'm not mimicking this, I truly believe that I'm at the crossroad of some growth for me. And it's so funny because the reflection that I shared with you guys on Sunday, I believe, it was either Sunday or Saturday, and I, it was called Elevation. I believe that's the last one I did. I don't remember. I did an episode, a reflection called Elevation. And I was just talking about, I'm, I'm all grown up and I don't know what, the, what else is there. <laughs> I think I said something like, I don't know what else there is for me to work on. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Because clearly there's a lot <laughs> for me to work on. <laughs> and that is, um, then in this area, this particular area, and I don't really know what the lesson is. I don't really know what the lesson is for me, um, but I do accept that there must be a lesson. I accept that. I embrace it. I really do. I embrace that there must be a lesson. I just don't know what it is. And so we'll see what happens in this reflection. So uh, this conversation with a superior yesterday um, has left me feeling all kinds of ways, right? There's a lot of feelings, a lot of feelings, and I don't like those feelings, and so I want to take action. Now, this conver- this connects to the other conversation I had yesterday um, that I really, I learned a lot about myself in this, in both of these conversations. But in, in the second conversation I had, the learning was more apparent. Like I was, I, I could see the learning in real time. The conversation I had with my superior, I am really post-processing it and extrapolating from it the lessons for me. I didn't see it in real time. What I think the lesson is from both of those situations, see, I'm already connecting them. Look at this already. That introvert intuition is a beast, y'all. It is definitely a beast. So what I think I'm, what I think the lesson is, is um, 
And I think this is INTJ related. I think other INTJs can relate to this. However, I believe it is exasperated because I'm a type 8. I'd be curious what a type 5 would say. An INTJ 5, I'd be very curious what an INTJ 5 would say to this. But I definitely believe an INTJ could relate. I just don't know how they would react. Um, when I am feeling vulnerable, or when I'm having feelings, let's not say vulnerable right now, when I'm having feelings that I don't like, I'm not conscious of the feelings. And I sure as hell am not conscious of me not liking those feelings. Those feelings do not register to me in real time. And I know I've said something similar to this in the past. But man, this is amplified in those conversations yesterday. I don't like the feelings. I'm not aware of the feelings and I'm not aware that I don't like them. I move into problem solving. So where other people may be stuck at the feelings, I'm going to call it stuck. Although this lady, this superior, uh, used the word, she, she accused me of being stuck somewhere. And whew, those are almost like fighting words. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll come back to that if, if time permits. Where other people might lean into the feeling, um, experience the feeling, express the feeling, I don't do that. I immediately start problem solving. So, it makes me think of an article I read about different types of INTJs. And really, you can make that a really simple consideration by simply going, well, let's pair the Enneagram with the Myers-Briggs, and that'll give you the nuance to what it means to be INTJ. INTJ5, INTJ1, INTJ7, INTJ6, INTJ8, you get the point. <laughs> um, but this is not how this particular article put nuance to being an INTJ. What they did was, they talked about the cognitive stack. This is so interesting. I'd love, I have to get going to work. I don't have time to linger here. I would love to challenge that. Now that I think about it, I would love to challenge the author of this article. What they did, it was either an article or a YouTube clip. I can't remember. But what they did was they talked about INTJs who jump the stack. They go NI to FI to TE. Versus N-I-T-E-F-I. That's our, those are cognitive functions and that's our stack. And, um, I don't agree with that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have time. I want to unpack that. But at the time, I was like, okay. Um, I have, I do, I've said for a long time, I have a higher, state of FI but I stopped saying that once I started listening to some really when I started listening to other INTJs talking about our cognitive stack 
when you listen to other types describe the INTJ, they don't fully get it. They don't understand the nuance of it. So I was a little confused, like, well, maybe. But I've been listening to some INTJ folks, and they get it. That Here's the thing. The TE and the FI are not separate, as it is for the ENTJ. For the ENTJ, the TE is at the top of the stack, and the FI is at the bottom of the stack. There's a separation. They're connected on an axis, but there is a separation. There are two functions in the middle. But for the INTJ, not only is the TEFI on the same axis, they're tethered. They're back to back. I have not read this exactly for myself, but I have heard that Carl Jung didn't really talk about a tertiary function. That that auxiliary function is TEFI together. That's interesting. But I understand why Myers-Briggs, the, 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 the mother and daughter team, I can understand why if this is what Carl Jung did by tethering these two together, uh, the auxiliary and the tertiary function, um, um, by connect, combining the TE and the FI, I can see why the mother and daughter team just separated them and said, we're going to call that one auxiliary and we're going to call the other one tertiary. I get it. It's just, it just makes the conversation neater. Um, it makes the analysis uh, clearer. And so I like it. I really, really do. But to the point, they're not separate. So this idea that we are so disconnected from our feelings, that's insane. That's insane. And so baby, baby, um, baby typologists, People who are new to type, to the type community, this is where I think that they err because they don't get it. But nonetheless, so I no longer am saying, oh, maybe my, I'm just, I have a stronger access to my FI. That's not true. I'm not going to say that. All INTJs have that. We all have an internal feeling space, an internal environment that very much is influenced by that feeling function. It's just what we decide to do with it in the world. That's it. So, <laughs> God, I wish I had time. So in both situations, in both phone calls, I had a feeling the second call, I was aware of it. I was able to catch it in real time. And the feeling that I had in real time was vulnerability. And I didn't want to be vulnerable. I believe that I can name that feeling faster because I've been studying the Enneagram. And I understand my social, emotional well-being through the Enneagram. I have verbiage. I have language now. Eights don't like to feel vulnerable. And not only do we not to we do not like to feel vulnerable, we are preemptive so that we don't feel vulnerable. So we don't wait to feel vulnerable and then we act. We're doing all these things ahead of time <laughs> so that that feeling of vulnerability never comes our way. So I've been studying that. Um, and uh, the second call was related to dating. 
And because I'm dating, um, it feels so weird to say, um, it has increased, it has created some vulnerability in me that I don't want to deal with. And this is why that I was able to tap into that right away in that second phone call, because I've already started doing the work. And the only reason why I'm doing the work around vulnerability and dating, it's, this is the only reason, it has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with who I want to be when I grow up. I am seriously questioning if dating is for me. <laughs> I really, really am. But I'm not ready to give up on having intimacy, emotional intimacy. I'm not ready to give up on that. Although I'm telling you, I'm very close to being like middle finger, middle finger to that, okay? <laughs> but I'm not ready to give up on it. And so if I'm not ready to give up on it, I, I must be brave enough to do the work. So... This dating thing makes you vulnerable. I don't like it. But because I want to be mature and have and be able to handle emotional intimacy, I have to confront that feeling of avoiding, trying to avoid the, uh, the vulnerability, the feeling of vulnerability. So I have to get going. So, um... What was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. I'm going to push the pause button. So the individual that I'm talking to has this heightened ability. Oh, they are a perceiver. They perceive. They're perceiving. They are a perceiver. I'm certain of. Well, yeah, I'm going to say I'm, okay, I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to say I'm certain of it. I just had a breakthrough. Because last night I started questioning, like, maybe you're not a perceiver because you are tuned into the sensory world in this way that I'm not. But what I realized is that the individual is tuned into the sensory world as a defense mechanism, as a, mm, as a way to feel safe. Um, the individual's a therapist. <laughs> so that's, we have those kind of conversations. That's what's so delicious about this individual is because like, oh, we can talk therapy. We can talk um, emotional wellness. We can talk human development, human behaviors. So needless to say, that's what those conversations, that's what most of our exchanges are about. <laughs> so anywho, so I already, the, the individual is, also comes from trauma. We have that in common. And so there's a heightened sense of the, the physical world as a sense of safety for the individual to feel protected. Okay, moving on. So, so, um, so that's why the sensory part is showing up the way it is. Because I was like, I think I really, really believe you're a perceiver, but this sensory thing that you're doing, but that is something else. Got it. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm back. So, yeah, this person is a perceiver. And uh, and we're both perceiving, right? Um, but what I'm doing with with the per I'm doing something different with the per what I'm perceiving, partially because of my age. There are some other uh, demographic conditions about me that would make me that would 
that would give the nuance. We're both perceivers. We're not necessarily going to perceive the same thing and we're not going to respond to it in the same way. And I said this in this project before, and I said it when I was working with some other NI doms. When you're an NI dom, you're so used to being the only one who could, who are, who's perceiving. And you can think you are like a beast and you know, like, I look at, I'm looking, that's my jam. You can't, you can't out perceive me because you're not used to sharing that space with another person. But when you, when you get into a space with another perceiver, you're going to have to negotiate what you're doing perce- perceiver to perceiver. And I'm talking about that dominant function. I'm not talking, uh, an INJ. Okay. We're going to move on. So anyway, um, so I'm already paying attention to feeling vulnerable because like now I'm forcing myself. Uh, there are some defense mechanisms that I have used in the world. And I can use these defense mechanisms to do this dating thing with this individual. But are those defense mechanisms serving me well? And this is only because I can only have this conversation with myself because I've done some really deep work. And last year was really good for me. In terms of being able to tap into my emotional, social, my social, emotional wellness. So um, I'm really, I'm really, really proud of myself in that way. So I'm aware that I don't want to feel vulnerable. I'm aware of the situation is is requiring me to feel to be vulnerable. And I have to make a choice. And I'm like negotiating with myself on a regular basis. Are you going to let yourself be vulnerable? No, you're not going to let yourself be vulnerable. Okay, let yourself be vulnerable. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Like, (laughs) this is what's going on. I swear I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating. That is exactly what's happening inside of me. Going back to my superior, though, I don't feel vulnerable there. That's my work. I don't feel vulnerable at work. Nope. I'm very confident, very comfortable. I might be annoyed. I'm not. And even if I have been felt vulnerable, okay, how about this? Let me say it differently. Even if I have felt vulnerable at work, I am skillful enough. I'm cra- I have enough craftsmanship. To navigate the, the vulnerability. And so I could I could raise the same question. Well, why don't you just let yourself be vulnerable at work? Because it's going to help you to grow. I'm not trying to grow in that way at, at that job. Hell no. <laughs> so you're not getting ready to get that from me. Um. But because I have had, I have a high sense of craftsmanship in navigating vulnerabilities at work, I don't even realize I'm vulnerable. And what occurred to me this morning is that I am putting action strategies in place to circumvent the vulnerability. I've been doing it. I didn't just do it yesterday. 
Sorry about that. My alarm just went off and I didn't, I didn't deactivate it because I need to get going. I need to get going. Okay. I'm going to start bringing closure here. I didn't just circumvent the vulnerability last night with, well, yesterday with the superior. I've been doing it. I've been doing it with so much ease. I didn't even know it. And and I realized that this morning. And why is that even an issue? Seriously. I'm not getting ready to take complete ownership as though I'm the only one in the world who doesn't want to be vulnerable. And I, no, I'm not doing that. That's the, that's the one problem with personal growth, y'all. When those of us who are committed to personal growth in a world with other people who are not, it's not to say that we shouldn't do the personal growth work, not saying that we shouldn't lean into our higher selves, but we need to be honest and realistic and safe. Not everybody deserves the, you to, it's not everybody deserves you being vulnerable if that's your, if that's the thing you have to work on. Am I safe here? But in a place of maturity, I could have, and I think this is why I know, you know, this is a prime example of me being an INTJ. I could have leaned into my feelings because she, the supervisor, um, oh, what is she? She, I got her wrath yesterday. She unloaded on me. Told me I offended her. She called. She said I was stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck in my thinking. I offended her. I, I'm condescending. I'm acting like she's not educated. Woo. Woo. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I should have laughed at her. <laughs> I really should have laughed at her. But all I could think of was danger. You know what? I'm sitting here typing her right now. It felt very much like my mother, who's an ESFJ. And 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 she came out. This lady was like, she was in, she was, I, I'm saying beast a lot today, but she was in beast mode. And all I could think of, she's a super, she's a superior. My, you know, and my my job isn't safe. And all I was trying to do is, t- t- I was trying to talk, trying to talk her off the ledge. I was trying to talk her off the ledge. Uh, you did. My grandmother says, "You pat the lion until you get your hand out of his mouth. You pat the lion until you get your hand out of the, li- <laughs> out of the lion's mouth." And my my hand was not in that lion's mouth. It wasn't even my arm. My whole upper body was in the lion's mouth. And I was like, settle down, settle down. So I started coaching, like, I started like trying to use analytically determine what is, what can I say to make her feel better? What can I say to make her feel safe? Uh, and, and as a black woman to a white woman, I couldn't even deal with that until this morning when I started doing some reading. Oh my gosh. This is exactly what I talked about when I took the job. And I said, the only reason I took this job, not the assignment that I'm put on, but the job, the only reason why I took it is because the, my supervisor, one of my supervisors was a black man and I knew him. 
Because I said I did not want to get in another situation where it would be my black ass in the middle. That the people I have to, that I'm over, they're white. And the people I have to respond to are white. And that has not worked in my favor in the past. And I've had repeated lessons. I've had this lesson on repeat. I don't need it anymore. I don't pander to the racial elite. It's not that they're white. So let me clean. Let me clarify that. I'm not going to clean it up, but I am going to clarify it. It's not that the individuals are white. I could give two, two buckets. It's that it is what it means to be the racial elite and the powers that are associated when you are the racial elite. You cannot handle your power threatened. And when your power is threatened, then you become fragile and you act out accordingly. You act out accordingly. So that that uh that timer is gonna go off one more time. You guys wanna keep your heads up. And then I'm I'm gonna turn turn it off. So in a space, in a predominantly white space, there's nothing threatening that whiteness as an elite status, as a as a PowerPoint. There's nothing threatening it. There's nothing, excuse me, there's nothing interrupting it until somebody like me who comes along. This is why it's important for people to know that I'm a critical race feminist because there are other black people who pander to the PowerPoint. Because what, what did my granny say? You pat the lion on the head until you get your hand out of his mouth. And some people are, that's what they're doing. Some African Americans, when they're in predominantly white spaces, they're, they're constantly patting the lion on the head. Right? They don't want their, they don't want their hand bitten off. So, I'm okay with my hand getting bitten. Obviously. Cause I'm not, I don't pander. But in this particular situation, like I said, my whole upper torso, torso. And I'm not interested. I'm not going to be doing that with this this woman on a regular basis. And she's younger by a few years. So I talked to her counterpart last night, who used to be my supervisor before the assignment. You know, and I mentioned my age. I said, I'll be 51 next year. Excuse me. I'll be 51 next month. And she was like, no. I didn't even, because our CEO, he is 50. He'll be 50 soon if he's not already 50. She's like, I didn't even see you in that. No, you don't. So these are some younger folks. And I said, I have life. I know what I know. I have life experience. And I, I'm not, I'm not just leaning into these, my experience, my degrees, excuse me, my occupate, my professional experience or my degrees. I have life experience. <clears throat> so anywho. So I talked, I got my ass out of her mouth, if you will, last night, yesterday evening. But now I have to decide what I'm going to do moving forward. If I were a person that was leaning into those, those, those emotions, I would, my ego, this is the eight part of me, and I'm closing here. The eight part of me is like, oh, this is a power thing. I'm, I'm going to let you know you don't have power over me. And I could do that. And it would be fun to do it. I'm not even going to lie. 
But is that the is that the strategic thing to do? Is that going to benefit the big, the big, whatever the big is? It's not the big big in my life, but is it going to be? Is it going to have? How is it going to impact a number of other spaces? And I was hoping that by the time I got to this end of the reflection, I was going to have the answer. I do not. <laughs> but I do feel that it's good to, to get to the heart of the matter. I'm feeling vulnerable. And I have to just figure out strategically how I'm going to address that feeling. I could just sit in it, right? But that's... So there's an... there's a I could withdraw... Right. I could now let me let me go to the Enneagram as a type eight. I can digress, not digress. I could disintegrate down to a five and withdraw. And like I did this morning, I went and found some articles. I started reading. I could find my happy in the in the literature. My the guy who was my supervisor before we're friends. I talked to him yesterday. He's an INTJ, but he's an INTJ five. And that's he lives in the reading. <laughs> he lives there. I live in the action. That's the eight in me. I live in action. So... Anyway, I'm thinking through some things. Um, my brain is starting to think about possible strategies, pathways. So I, I don't have the answer, but it'll, there it is. There it is. Um, I, I'm going to come up with a solution. I'm confident that I will. I'm confident. I'm, I just want to make sure that the solution has the biggest impact for ultimately what I want to do. And so... I don't know. I also know I don't trust this person to convey the experience the way it went down. And I don't trust the CEO to give me the benefit of the doubt. I don't trust him because he's one of those black people who will pander. That's fine. I'm not mad at you for pandering. That's how you feel. I get it. You like it. I love it. But I've also, I, I'm not, no, 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 that's not me. So ultimately what I need to, you know, and like I talked to a friend of mine who's a principal in another district. She said, that's just what it is. She said, you can think about leaving, but that's what it is. This is the, this is it. This is, this is what I've been trying to, this is why I stepped out of leadership. Cause I don't want to deal with this. This is not my interest. It's not, I don't, it's not. But then again, I'm like thinking about the children's lives that I'm impacting. And that makes it worth it. That makes it worth it. Because I, I, I'm, one of the, one of the strategies was to call out the CEO and like remove me from this assignment immediately. That's one option. <laughs> Another option is sending this lady an email and outlining how horrible she was. Of course, I'm not going to say you're horrible, but putting on paper 
everything. And that's why she's upset with me because I've already put something on paper in front. And you know, INTJs, we don't realize how our words land. So I've sent her an email, a couple of them. In my mind, they're benign, right? I'm just stating the facts. I'm just stating what has happened. More than likely, it's hurt her. And she's a, she, her feelings are hurt. She's frustrated with me. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-mm. Another strategy is I can keep going out of my way to make her feel good and safe. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I've done that with the other one. I'm not going to do that with this one because this one is trying to hold on to it and she's trying to have power over it. So I don't know what strategy I'm going to do, but it's, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I know I'm going to document what happened and I'm going to let the CEO know. I just don't know how, how formal I'm going to make it. And I think I can kiss my, does that I can kiss my ambitions in this organization goodbye at least for now i can kiss that goodbye and it's okay i've changed jobs three times in the past three years this is the problem with being an intj i do i really do try to not be there is there is there are moments there are pockets where i'm like yo just chill right and i'm i don't the beautiful thing is i don't have to leave i won't just leave if I leave, it's, it's, I'm leaving upward. That's the benefit. That's the benefit of kind of where I'm at now. I'm, I'm going to leave upward. Win, win, right? <laughs> uh, and I said this to myself. I promise I'm closing here. I said this to myself maybe a week or two ago. Don't get caught up in trying to advance within the organization. That's not what advancement has meant to you your whole, your whole adult life. I have not been committed to advancing within an organization. I have been committed to advancing, period. And the question is, I think now that I'm going to be 51, you know, I'm mindful. I'm mindful of retiring, right? You could just give me a different position. Just pull me out. So, so I, I, I think what I might do is I submitted an application for a different position. I might write a letter to reinforce why that position would be a better fit for me than the, this leadership position I'm in now. And I think, I think that's a, I think that's positive because I'm not the kind of leader that this particular lady is going to feel comfortable with. She is trying to coach me in the box. I don't want to be coached in the box. Not at all. I'm not a box person. I'm never going to be one. Never, ever, 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 ever. (laughs) Even when I try to, (laughs) I just can't be that. So anyway, I don't know if any of this was, uh, if I don't feel like this is finished. I don't feel like this reflection is finished. But I think I feel a little better. I don't feel a lot better, but I do feel a little better in terms of the action I am going to take is to reinforce the application I submitted for another leadership role and talk about why, who I am as a leader, why I'm better suited for that other role than the one, than this particular role, because these are the, these are the things I don't do well. And then reinforce my strengths. 
There it is. Boom. <laughs> so anyway, y'all. Oh my gosh. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If, if this conversation really about workplace politics, um, workplace vulnerabilities, um, INTJ 8-ness, being a healthy INTJ 8, about, I talked about dating again, how if you really want to have intimacy, you're going to have to do the, you're going to have to do intimacy work and not default to these defensive mechanisms, right? There was a, I feel like there were a lot of good nuggets here. Um, we'll see though. <laughs> we'll see. I'm laughing because my down, my downloads are dwindling. And so there's something, there's something amiss here. But I'm just going to press on. I'm going to press on uh, because I do hear from people that uh, if it's just two of you guys, I'm just going to talk to two. We're down to two. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to press on. But um, so I think there are a lot of little nuggets here that were of value. So if this reflection um, about any of that connects to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. Um, again, I always ask you to set context. Because um, I don't want them to be like, what kind of pod, what kind of podcast is this? This lady is in a, what did, what did the, what did the, um, what did the, uh, I can't think of this lady from YouTube, but she's like a string of consciousness. <laughs> um, yeah. So make sure you give people a heads up when you share it. And then if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear that. You can find me on my website. You can find me on my website at yourinidom.wordpress.com. Twitter, yourinidom1. You have to put the number one there. And YouTube, yourinidom. No one. <laughs> no one. Let me give you your assignment. When are you most vulnerable? When are you most vulnerable? And how do you how do you deal with vulnerability? Are you comfortable being vulnerable? Um, if you are comfortable, why do you think, what, what is your safety net though, that, that protects you in your vulnerability? That's admirable actually, by the way, I want to just hats up to you, hats off to you. Um, but if you're, if you're not comfortable in being vulnerable, how do you recognize it in real time? What do you do to protect, to mitigate your discomfort with vulnerability how does it impact intimate relationships how does it impact your work relationship i wish somebody was asking me these questions and then i try to answer them back and then they would poke it and all of that but i i am not going to feel bad about being strong this is what this new this is what this is what is at the heart of this particular uh supervisor this superior She's uncomfortable with my strength, and that's why she had to come out the bag as aggressive as she did, because that's how she, and this is what they say about Enneagram 8s, we, we don't understand, we don't look at us, ourselves as being aggressive until somebody comes out and they're like, and I, and I knew Dr. Beatrice Chestnut, I heard her say this on a YouTube uh, video when she said, oftentimes 8s can be harmed because people perceive them as so strong and that people perceive us as you have to come at us aggressively and then we're like what I don't get what happened <laughs> and I thank goodness that I'm an INTJ because boy 
if I would have been if if I would have been a any other cognitive like if I would have been a feeler and an eight, she would have had it. <laughs> she would have got it from me. Now I may have lost my job, but she would have got it. So anyway, you guys, it has been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you this morning. I'm now running late for work, but it it was worth it. I needed this reflection this morning. Um, so it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.